Welcome to the Casted Podcast. It's the destination for the most innovative and forward-thinking marketers in B2B, like you. Each week, I host conversations with brilliant marketing leaders on the tactics and tricks that they're harnessing to reach their revenue goals, rev their thought leadership engines, amplify their marketing voice in the marketplace, and ultimately drive real business results. I'm Lindsay Chepkema, CEO and co-founder of Casted, and this is the Casted Podcast. My name is Adam Schoenfeld, co-founder and CEO at Keyplay, and also I'm the lead analyst at PeerSignal.org. So I have like two things going at once. Because you just don't have enough going on with one. You got to do both. You have to do two. <laughs> Two's better than one. Well, we're going to talk today about the relationship between like, first of all, what is PeerSignal? What is Keyplay? How do they go together? What does that mean? And specifically, great place to start is what brought us together to begin with is that you shared some posts on LinkedIn, where I spend a lot of time, about brand podcasting and and, and what's what it means for B2B. And I was excited to see the data because there's not there's not a lot of data about shows specifically created and, and managed by brands. It's, it's kind of podcasting in general. So let's start there. Let's talk about what you shared and kind of where it came from. And then let's get into it. Sure. Yeah. See, I'm glad I started sharing that because then we got to connect and here we are. So Pure Signal, what we do, I could talk about Keyplay in a bit, but at Pure Signal, we basically do research on modern go-to-market. And we study like SaaS companies, AI, fintech. So we're trying to track what's happening in emerging markets and dissect and analyze their go-to-market strategies and then produce research on that. So you can think of us kind of like an analyst firm, but at a very small scale with a very deep focus on like modern B2B go-to-market. And so we, we keep an index of about 2,000 SaaS companies. And one of the things we looked at re- recently, the post that you're mentioning was how many of them have a podcast? And we do this by crawling their websites and looking for a link to a podcast on their resources page, on their homepage. And we found, I believe it was 26% of them uh, have a podcast. Now, keep in mind that our index skews to sort of like venture-backed, high-growth companies. So that I would suspect if you took the general population of B2B companies, it's much, much lower. But within this kind of uh, forward-thinking group, let's say, it's pretty high adoption, right, at about a quarter. There was a bunch of interesting stuff beyond that that we could dig into, but that was like the headline stat. And we we looked at a bunch of examples and kind of got into that more. Yeah. And I actually, I don't know if you've seen it, but we have, uh, I just saw some data I've actually been using it, that 40% of the cloud 100 has a podcast. Yeah. So, so it makes sense. There you go. And, and I've definitely seen it grow. I mean, we started Casted four years ago and the conversations that we were having then in the market and with prospects was, should you start a podcast? Would you start a podcast? Do you think you'll ever have a podcast? And now so much more often it's, okay, you have a show, you have a podcast, you have a video and podcast. What are you going to do with it? Right. And so it's, it's been interesting to watch it grow. Yeah. Right. I think the market now has validated that it's a smart strategy and now it's like, how, how do you stand out? How do you make it unique? How do you get the most leverage from it? I remember like thinking back to around, oh gosh, this was probably 2018 ish. My previous startup was acquired by Drift. And for folks who have followed David Cancel or Dave Gerhardt, right, like the Seeking Wisdom podcast was a huge early strategic move for Drift. And not that many B2B companies had podcasts. And I think that coupled with the uh, hyper growth events and the stuff they were doing around community was 
at that time, like a game changer. And the, the, the Seeking Wisdom podcast was like a huge pillar of what made that brand stand out in a very crowded market. Oh, for sure. That's actually part of my story and Cassid's story is that it was, it was such a, it was such a big driver for me as, as a marketing leader. And I got so much out of it. And then there was coffee with a CMO, which was like a subset mm-hmm. of That's right. that whole series. And actually what Drift did with their, and, and they've, they've become a customer of Casted, but what they did with all of their shows and just continuing to spin them out as different personas emerged was a real inspiration to me and to the customers that we work with about how to leverage the content, not just as, hey, we're just going to do a podcast and we're just going to use it as a channel, but as a way to really speak directly and intimately and authentically with a niche, like a segment of your audience and to get really direct and really relevant and then say, okay, how else can we use all of this? And so it's really cool. It's really cool to see what that's become and how that's fueled you and fueled casted and <laughs> it was a really cool one to watch from the inside and seeing yeah how we took people like you know maggie from the product team and she got a a, a sort of a channel and sean from sales ops and like we it was interesting how like internally people were brought up to their to that that medium and kind of it helped them become thought leaders externally and i think that was a nice flywheel for them getting more insight from the market and kind of like feeding back to the quality of their work internally. So David was just, is such a great like brand builder, product marketer, learned a lot from him and my, in my time there at Drift. Working alongside him and with that team, I can't imagine what some of those conversations were like, given what those of us on the outside have been able to receive as a result through the shows and through the content. So that's really cool. That's really, really cool. So Looking again at the data, so more and more companies are doing podcasts. That's great. What else did you find? And then, and then I want to hear kind of how how you have collected some of this data because that's been a challenge for companies like us and companies that we work with trying to understand more about what's happening in podcasting for brands and what it means for the future. So what else did you find? Yeah. So another thing we found was that you know, people are starting early. So I think within, I think we cut it at 30 employees or, or fewer and 15% of those had a podcast. Cause I think a lot of the rub we on this and other brand building, or let's say things that, you know, are traditionally harder to attribute to your demand gen funnel is like, Oh, that's like a later stage problem or we won't do that early. But I think it was cool to see companies investing early. Yeah, we see that too. And I certainly believe in that. So yeah, that, that was another, another thing mm-hmm. we highlighted. Yep. We absolutely see that too. We actually launched a program called Casted for Startups, inspired by companies like Drift and others that have, you know, programs to help reach younger companies that are growing that don't have the same resources that larger companies do, but still need the same products and and things. So yeah, we're absolutely seeing that as well. Is I think that companies that can be more nimble and uh, more innovative in their their strategies are adopting things like podcasts because they see all that's possible. Like as a, as a marketer as, or as any person on the team, like going and being able to speak directly with the people that have, have the expertise that have the data, like we're doing right now and tap into that as opposed mm-hmm. to having to, you know, go straight on their behalf or become, become that thought leader and become that expert. Instead, you can really be the conduit and it's be more journalistic and more of a facilitator with pre- providing that value to your, to your audience. And I think that young companies are able to move on that faster. Quite often. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're 
So like the company I'm operating is just six employees today, including myself. And we're actively thinking about this, right? But we're a little unique because we have this like media company combined with a SaaS company, but we've always felt that like media and content is part of the modern go-to-market. And like the earlier you can start that, building that brand and that audience through through content and media, like the better. And so, yeah, we're very actively thinking about like now that we have a, we have a, a newsletter that's well subscribed to, it's like, okay, what else? What are the other channels, medium strategies that we can bring to this that kind of double yeah. down on that idea. So you said, you said media company, which is, you know, something that every once in a while that phrase, like every company needs to think like a media company. People have been saying that for a very long mm-hmm. time. I think actually now it's, it's even more so it's like every human, every, every human being needs to think like a media company and, and marketers uh, in particular need to be of that mindset. So tell me a little bit about, about that and how that's fueling fueling your growth. I mean, like, like you just said, it's, it's six employees and, and it's kind of, it's a big part of what you're already doing. How have you seen that be a part of your story and, and when moving forward and, and how do you think it's different than how things have been in the past? Yeah. Well, I, I like to think that I had this amazing master plan and that I'm just like rolling through that master plan, but I, I'd say that it's been a lot more organic I knew I wanted to start another SaaS company. I've been a multi-time founder. It's it's what I like to do. And I knew the audience I wanted to serve, which was sales and marketing, B2B companies. And I but I had no idea like what product, what problem I wanted to solve. I had a whole lot of ideas. And I was like, well, I don't really want to just sit on my hands and do, and spend all my time doing customer interviews to kind of validate this, you know, what I'm going to do. So I started creating content and started Pure Signal, and really, initially, we focused just on studying product-led growth. And so it was just like, let let me just put myself out there, start creating stuff for the community with a capital C that like I want to serve, and see what happens. And I think I had this inkling that like, okay, there's option value here if we build an audience, if we build a community. Ultimately, when we arrive at the SaaS product, we'll be able to leverage that for product feedback and insights for lead generation for a million things. But it wasn't like, didn't exactly know, okay, we're going to build this kind of media company. And then we're going to like roll out the SaaS company and we know what that is. And then here's how that flywheel is going to just work over time. It's a little bit more organic, which is why I think the connection of the two brands and how they work together and what they each are is still very much a work in progress. And an, an outside observer can kind of see like where it's not strategically perfect yet because it is it is totally a work in progress. So that that was the background uh, to give that as a starting point. Great segue. So tell us more about it. Tell us tell us about Pure Signal and about Keyplay and tell us everything. Give us the spiel. So okay, so Pure, it started with Pure Signal and the first thing like I said was studying product led growth. So what we did is we created like an Airtable of a bunch of PLG companies and then we started writing a weekly newsletter. I'm saying we, but it was mostly, it was me and then my co-founder on the side at night, like writing scripts and, and scraping websites to like put the data together. So we had like an asset you could log into and, and join to like view the Airtable. And then you were receiving the newsletter. And that still today is largely the motion. We've just expanded it to cover well beyond PLG, like all of SaaS, fintech, AI, right? And we're expanding to more markets. You can think of it kind of like a mini Gartner or Forrester, right? Like we're we're trying to map out these markets and provide insights for go-to-market leaders to help them craft their own strategy, make better decisions, stay informed, find role models. 
And so largely like the value delivery is through the, the weekly newsletter. And then when you log in, you can get access to all these data sets where you can like sort and filter and explore and find stuff, whether it's galleries of different websites, like you're trying to build out your next homepage and you want inspiration or it's like more hard data on companies or it's like segmenting, Hey, who has a podcast? Let me go check them out and see what they're doing so I can learn from it. So that, that's the basic thing. And we do think of it like a media company. The metrics that we look at are subscribers, audience engagement, and there's no direct revenue model associated with it. And I have a dedicated person, Camille Trent, who's like this incredible content and community person, uh, like marketer running it. And then I'm, I'm in there helping out as like analyst, thought leader, and kind of producing content with her. But she's today really driving the driving force behind the whole strategy and execution now after I did it for about a year. And then Pierce, or then Keyplay is our SaaS product, which is uh, sales in, in the sales intelligence space. And we basically help companies pick and prioritize their accounts. And this like whole account selection problem has been a big pain for a lot of people for a long time. And we'd really like to put that, that one to bed for you. And that arrived because people were seeing the data in Peer Signal, and they're like, hey, can you help me do this, but for my ICP? Can you help me get that kind of information and the way you organize it, but for my target accounts? So it was organic, like the media company basically led us to what the SaaS product was going to be. And it also brought us our earliest customers because they were members of Peer Signal, and they were like kind of knocking on a door saying, Hey, can you solve this problem for us? That's the best place to be. I'm curious too, as as a multi-time founder, how has have your like past experiences informed this one? And that's a really, really big question. So specifically, like the thinking like a media company, actually creating a media company and letting that fuel so much of what you're doing and, and letting a lot of that and building the community and the value of content and brand and the role that that plays now in this new SaaS company as well. Tell me if that's kind of always been in you or if that's learnings over time. Give me some perspective on that. I think it's kind of always been a principle that I've had in, in founding companies. I mean, after my very first startup, which is a complete failure shutdown, burned the investor money a very, uh, very painful way to sort of get an MBA, I guess. But then I went and did another startup called Simply Measured. And there we, we took a similar mindset. We did a lot of like, coincidentally, it was a lot of like data-driven content, which is what I'm back to now, you know, 10, 13 years later. We, we did a lot. We were a social media analytics company. We did a lot of like tracking of events and we would create a lot of infographics. The distribution was largely through places like Mashable and TechCrunch. It wasn't so much our owned and operated properties initially, but we did that later on. So I was always thinking that way, always thought, like believed in the power of content. And also I've, I've largely played in pretty crowded categories. And this was true with Drift too, you know, not being the founder, but getting to observe how the founders thought about it. I think when you're playing in a crowded market, you know, that credibility and brand and community, like those things matter even more <laughs> because you need some way to stand out and product differentiation can be somewhat thin or fleeting. And so I, I really believe in it, you know, especially in like the categories that I've tried to build businesses in that it like it matters even more. So I think that's, it's, it's both kind of the markets I play in as well as my own principles that I, I think that stuff matters a lot. And, and a lot of other companies will 
kind of put it second because they're thinking about like direct attribution and funnels. Yeah, no, for sure. And I'm, I'm curious too, we're in a really weird time right now. How have you seen that change? Like what is, what has that looked like? What has starting a company, growing a company, building a brand, understanding the value of content, understanding the value of brand. You said that's kind of always been in you and I agree, but how has that changed? I mean, I, I know my perspective, but I'm really curious about yours starting and growing a company 10 years ago, even five years ago is very, very different than three years ago, which is very, very in raising money and, and growing company and building a business is even different today than it was this time last year. So how, just tell me a little bit about what that's looked like for you and, and how things are different now from a, a building a brand and building a company than they have been in the past for you. I think the two themes that I see is that the cost of entry, let's call it, is just way lower in so many dimensions, right? Like the, the cost to produce content, the cost to deploy your application to the cloud, the number of people and the amount of capital that you need to get stuff into the world is so much lower. I mean, just with, with cloud, with no code, and now with AI, like I think you can do more with fewer people and less capital upfront than ever before. And that trend seems to only be continuing. On the flip side, because of that, right, it's, I think, harder than ever to get attention and stand out. I think like every market category, wherever there's an opportunity gets crowded extremely quickly and like the, the race gets on so fast. So I think to actually like capture and hold attention is harder than ever and to be different and to really have a unique angle. So I think those two like related trends are the biggest difference I've seen when I think back to like you know, 2008, nine, when I was starting my first company. Yeah, no, for sure. And so I guess taking that a step further is specifically the role of content. And we're talking this podcast about podcasting. So specifically audio video content, how, and, and to me, you mentioned AI that provides so much opportunity uh, for marketers and for business leaders to, to be more efficient to be more effective. But it also will make an already crowded marketplace even that much more crowded because it's things are going to get noisier and there's going to be even more content than than there already was and there's already a ton. So how is that changing what what you are doing and what you're seeing because you're you're obviously you're in the business of data. So what are what are you seeing? What are you doing? What are you seeing other companies do from this standpoint of like think like a media company, act like a media company, knowing that AI is a part of it, good, bad, and otherwise, and it's going to get even noisier. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it, it's a crazy time with with AI. It's hard to call the shots right now because it feels like every couple of weeks there's like some step function change. It's like, oh my gosh, what you know? What are people doing next? And these these auto GPTs are just kind of mind blowing. I think most of them don't really work yet, but the idea that they could is somewhat mind blowing. That you could just have AI talking to AI and executing a series of tasks is is somewhat just crazy when you even think like a year or two ago how far-fetched that might seem so yeah i mean i think it's going to have a massive impact on on marketing especially content creation with generative ai and like what you can do with a few prompts and clicks it's hard to know exactly how it materializes but i think you're right that like no doubt there will be more volume of stuff in the world just has that there has been but like will that just accelerate probably and so i think it's going to make it even harder to stand out and you're going to really have to like focus in on, you know, who do you want to serve and what's your unique thing that you bring to them? 
it's like back to the, you know, Reese and Trout, like basics, but I don't know. I, I, it'll be interesting to watch like how much crowding it, it creates and, and what the impact is on quality. From your vantage point, doing what you do at Pure Signal and with key play and with data as marketers and business leaders try to figure this out and figure out what's next from where we are with the economy and where we are with AI, what what advice do you have on like how they can use data to help bring some certainty and some clarity to what might be next and to help them be successful? Like, what do you want people to know um, based on your vantage point with all the data that you see all the time? Yeah. And one of, one of the things we're really trying to track is like, how does AI infiltrate existing categories? SaaS to start, but then other technology and then other, you know, traditional industries, like how is it going to show up in financial services, manufacturing? So we're trying to like track that and understand that with PeerSignal. Right now, it's like at a basic level of what are the AI companies, AI native and platforms, but also who's who's starting to integrate AI. I mean, I, I think like the early the early read on that is that just about every software company is certainly going to like either be turbocharged or accelerated by AI or massively disrupted by it, mm -hmm. right? Like, I think probably like you and I have built our careers around believing that software is eating the world. And now I, I think it looks like AI is probably going to eat software to some extent. Mm -hmm. So that's, I, I think my early read uh, is like, if you're not doing something with it, if you're a software company, like I, I would be pretty nervous. So we're trying to help like surface that and show case studies and examples of of what people are doing, what are the use cases, what are the scenarios? For my own business, we're definitely like integrating with these new new ver uh, generation of large language models and trying to figure out how to like make our data better, deliver more value to our customers. So I think everybody's like, if you're not going through that exercise to some extent, I feel like it's a a big risk. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. And tell me too, again, thinking like a media company. I know you don't have a podcast yet. We'll work on that. We'll work on this. But obviously, thinking like a media company, you have you're, you're putting out really great content that's really helpful to people like me. That is uniquely human right now. At this, you know, May third, twenty twenty three, creating the content that you are and the way that you are doing it, having this conversation literally right now is uniquely human. There are opportunities and threats right at the doorstep, like right in front of us, that are saying, "But does it have to be uniquely human? Could it be?" made better or different or faster with AI. What's, what's your opinion? Like just, just you, just you as a content creator, as a content provider, as a content deliverer, mm -hmm. who's adding value to a lot of other people with the content that you're providing. What's your opinion on how AI should be used? Knowing that you're not, you're not a tech, a, a technologist saying how it will be used technologically speaking, but like big picture strategically, like how do you hope it serves content creators and community builders? I don't know if I have the best answer to this, Lindsay. I mean, I think really the audience decide, like the audience is the test of everything, right? So that's how I want to think about it is I don't want to have too strong of opinion of like, oh, I won't automate this or I won't AI enhance this or I'll always, this will always have human touch or this won't. I think ultimately like the, the only litmus test is like, which way the audience is going, what are they engaging with? What do they care about? Are they saying that's valuable and useful? And so I, I'm just going to like anchor on that. And I think we'll try things, 
right now, like Pure Signal is mostly human created. That being said, like Keyplay, our platform, surfaces all this data for us. So without that, we couldn't do this research manually. Like without web crawling and AI of our own to make sense of thousands of companies, we wouldn't be able to produce the insights that we do today, right? We'd spend months just doing like one newsletter. So we are getting leverage in that, in that regard, but like, is there a point where we can write a series of prompts that would just actually execute the entire newsletter for us and like interpret the, the data set? I think that's like not very far fetched. Is that going to be, is it going to have the same level of insight or the like flair or style of that we have? I don't know, but maybe it could be trained to. So I don't know. Like, I'm not drawing boundaries yet. Right now, we're not really pushing it very far. I think we're we're talking to Chat GPT like in the creative process. We're testing frameworks. We're asking for more examples, pointers, uh, sources, right? But we're not like just kind of outsourcing creation to AI. But I don't know. Like, it's going to be really interesting to see how far we can go with it. Absolutely, and it's it's such an interesting time with marketers being pressured to do more with less, which is what marketers are always pressured to do, but especially now. And then you have AI coming in and it's it poses a perceived threat, but also an opportunity to do more with less. And so mm-hmm. I I hope and I mean the stance that I have is like the 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 most human brands win, the most human companies win and and that always has been and always will be the ones that prioritize human connection. Now using the technology and using the data as well to to be more creative and to to prioritize those connections and to serve the human beings involved. I'm excited about that. And but I do think that and we're already seeing it. We're already seeing more more noise and more more disruption and more uh, distraction just with the availability to create more just for the sake of more. So Yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah. You can, you can crank the volume really hard right now, but I don't, I think you, you're right now you're trading quality, right? So exactly, exactly. So for what? I've also found, like, I wrote a post about this a few weeks ago, which is, you know, I like, I don't have chat GPT, like write my LinkedIn posts, for instance. Right. I just, and, and the reason for that is actually, I think the process is where a lot of the value comes in is like working out an idea, testing an idea, get it, you know, like trying to, work it out on you know paper i think is a lot of what the value of writing is and so there are there are trade-offs right like to just automating some of these tasks that said like yeah i'm, I'm definitely a day doesn't go by where i don't pull up chat gpt and have some interesting exchange there you go any other takeaways that you have seen from the data that you've been collecting or data that you're excited to be able to pull together like i'm i'm excited that you're doing like i said at the beginning like you're doing research on SaaS and, and brand podcasts, which is so needed. But what are you finding? And based on what you've already seen, where do you predict we go from here? Yeah, I mean, the last thing I, I noticed, I don't know if this stood out to you or not, was that it was about 2x more webinars and events versus podcasts, which to me is kind of insane, because it's like, you're already recording stuff. Like, why is that not right. a podcast too? It's like my friend, Mark Killens, who I know is one of your advisors, like, he has this whole like triple yep. triple play uh, idea, and yep. it's, that seems definitely like a missed opportunity. So I, I'm surprised that like I was surprised by how many companies are like investing in video webinars, live events, virtual events, but that aren't actually podcasting because 
at least for myself, like I, I love consuming the audio feeds on stuff. And so that, that definitely seems like a miss. So it seems like a lot of companies have this muscle of like producing the style of content, but aren't necessarily leveraging all the kind of mechanisms for distribution or packaging. Say it louder for those in back. Cause that's, <laughs> that's like the casted pitch right there, right? That is. Yes. Thank you for yeah. that. Well, and, and you mentioned Mark over at Airmeet. I, we love working with them and, and that that opportunity to say, Hey, if you're recording content anyway, if you're, if you're doing a web, a webinar is a live podcast is a virtual event. Like they're the same thing. It's just based on, on how we package it and what context and how we market it. But this conversation, if we had people listening live or, or if we had an audience, it would be a webinar, it would be a virtual event. And so, you know, he and I have had, have talked a lot. We actually did, we did a live event where it's like, Hey, go have these conversations Invite people to watch them live, but don't just stop there. Don't same thing. I, I keynoted an event last week and it was live in person. It was like, what are you going to do with this content? Like, I see that you're recording it. Are you just going to put it on your website? Or are you going to like put it on a feed? Are you going to do all these other things? And I'm, I'm glad that you said that. Cause I, I think the same thing. I think that we're going to see more stuff happening like webinars and virtual events with audiences, it, call it whatever you want. See that content captured turned into video and podcast content and then used in lots of other ways, which I'm here for that, which yeah. should be interesting. I mean, I think that's general across different mediums too, because we all have these weird preferences. Like if you think back to linear TV when you had seven channels or whatever, right? Like yeah. there was one way to consume stuff. And now it's it's the opposite of that. I mean, like I like consuming audio because I like to go for a walk. So I like, you know, headphones Same. in, audio only podcast feed. I have my little pocket cast app. They, you know, it works for me, but yep. I, I talked to some friends. I'm like, how much audio do you listen to? And they're like, I hardly ever do. But then they're like, oh, but I go on YouTube all the time. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with like email newsletters versus LinkedIn versus Twitter. It's like, we all have these preferences. So I feel like as a marketer, if you're not thinking about packaging and distribution to cater to different consumer preferences, you're, you're totally missing it. Yeah. And I think that what's been happening, one of my observations is that marketers have been thinking about that for a while. Like, oh, I've got this audience and some are going to want to read stuff and some are going to want to, you know, look at images and some are going to want to, you know, all these different things. But until really recently, it's been like, okay, so therefore I need to create stuff for audio. I need to create Mm -hmm. stuff for video. I need to like all thinking really channel specific, creating net new for each one, which is part of the reason that marketers feel under so much pressure and so stretched so thin is that they're trying to fill all of these different buckets with complete, you know, unique mixtures and when it could be all. And um, I mean, again, I'm here for that. And I'm starting to see that come around, which is exciting. It's it's more fun that way. And it's a lot more efficient. So it's better for the customer or for the audience because they're getting the same message. They're getting that repetition and the, the, the ability to experience it in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. So, well, cool. Well, I'm excited for the podcast that obviously someday you're going to do. We got to get there. We got to get there. You got to get there, but you're going to have so much information to share, which is really, really neat. So where can people find more from you and more from Keyplay and Peer Signal? It's a lot of things, right? <laughs> These two brands. I'm on LinkedIn. It's Adam Schoenfeld and I'm, I'm active there. Peer Signal is PeerSignal.org. Keyplay is Keyplay.io. So subscribe to Peer Signal if you want to check out some of the stuff we're doing. You'll get my, the newsletter that Camille and I write most Thursdays. And uh, yeah, look forward to connecting with people. 
I love it. Well, thank you for connecting with us and for sharing the data and your insights and uh, for just being here. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Hey, that's our show. Thanks for joining in. I'm Lindsay Chepkema, and you can find me on Twitter at CastedLindsay and on LinkedIn. You know the drill. If you like this show, you'll like our other episodes too. So consider subscribing, sharing with others, and maybe even leaving a review on your podcast platform of choice. And if you're ready to harness the power of podcasting for your brand strategy, make sure that you click the link in our show notes to subscribe to the Casted newsletter and to all of our shows. You can also go to casted.us for the latest content from our team of experts to yours. Until next time.